0: Section 9 of India, Persia, Mesopotamia, and Palestine. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April 6090, California, United States of America. The World's Story, Volume 2, India, Persia, Mesopotamia, and Palestine. Edited by Eva March Tappan section nine karma a story of buddhist ethics by paul caris commit no evil but do good and let thy heart be pure that is the gist of buddhahood the lore that will endure the dhammapuda tavala's rice cart long long ago in the days of early buddhism india was in a most prosperous condition the aryan inhabitants of the country were highly civilized and the great cities were centers of industry, commerce, and learning. It was in these olden times that Pandu, a wealthy jeweler of the Brahman caste, traveled in a carriage to Baranasi, which is now called Benares. He was bent on some lucrative banking business, and a slave who attended to the horses accompanied him. The jeweler was apparently in a hurry to reach his destination, and as the day was exceedingly pleasant, since a heavy thunderstorm had cooled the atmosphere, the horses sped along rapidly. While proceeding on their journey, the travellers overtook a Samana, as the Buddhist monks were called, and the jeweller, observing the venerable appearance of the holy man, thought to himself, This Samana looks noble and saintly. Companionship with good men brings luck. Should he also be going to Baranasi, I will invite him to ride with me in my carriage. Having saluted the Samana, the jeweller explained, whither he was driving and at what inn he intended to stay in Baranasi. Learning that the Samana, whose name was Narada, also was traveling to Baranasi, he asked him to accept a seat in his carriage. I am obliged to you for your kindness, said the Samana to the Brahmin, for I am quite worn out by the long journey. As I have no possessions in this world, I cannot repay you in money, but it may happen that I can reward you with some spiritual treasure out of the wealth of the information I have received while following Shakyamani, the Blessed One, the Great Buddha, the teacher of gods and men. They travelled together in the carriage, and Pandu listened with pleasure to the instructive discourse of Narada. After about an hour's journey, they arrived at a place where the road had been rendered almost impassable by a washout caused by the recent rain, and a farmer's cart heavily laden with rice prevented further progress. The loss of a linchpin had caused one of the wheels to come off, and Davala, the owner of the cart, was busily engaged in repairing the damage. He too was on his way to Baranasi to sell his rice, and was anxious to reach the city before the dawn of the next morning. If he was delayed a day or two longer, the rice merchants might have left town or bought all the stock they needed. When the jeweller saw that he could not proceed on his way unless the farmer's cart was removed, he began to grow angry, and ordered Mahaduda, his slave, to push the cart aside, so that his carriage could pass by. The farmer remonstrated because, being so near the slope of the road, it would jeopardize his cargo. But the Brahmin would not listen to the farmer and bade his servant overturn the rice cart and push it aside. Mahaduda, an unusually strong man, who seemed to take delight in the injury of others, obeyed before the samana, could interfere. The rice was thrown on the wayside, and the farmer's plight was worse than before. The poor farmer began to scold, but when the big burly Mahaduda raised his fist threateningly, he ceased his remonstrances and only growled his curses in a low undertone. When Pandu was about to continue his journey, the Samana jumped out of the carriage and said, "'Excuse me, sir, for leaving you here. I am under obligations for your kindness in giving me an hour's ride in your carriage. I was tired when you picked me up on the road, but now, thanks to your courtesy, I am rested and recognizing in this farmer an incarnation of one of your ancestors.' i cannot repay your kindness better than by assisting him in his troubles the Brahmin jeweler looked at the samana in amazement that farmer you say is an incarnation of one of my ancestors that is impossible i know replied the samana that you are not aware of the numerous important relations which tie your fate to that of the farmer but sometimes the smartest men are spiritually blind so i regret that you harm your own interests and i shall try to protect you against the wounds which you are about to inflict upon yourself. The wealthy merchant was not accustomed to being reprimanded, and feeling that the words of the Samana, although uttered with great kindness, contained a stinging reproach, bade his servant drive on without further delay. The Jewelers' Purse The Samana saluted Dvala, the farmer, and began to help him repair his cart and load up the rice, part of which had been thrown out. The work proceeded quickly, and Dvala thought, this Samana must be a holy man. Invisible divas seemed to assist him. Footnote. Spiritual beings, gods or angels. End of footnote. I will ask him how I deserved ill treatment at the hands of the proud Brahmin. And he said, Venerable sir, can you tell me why I suffer an injustice from a man to whom I have never done any harm? And the Samanas said, My dear friend, YOU DO NOT SUFFER AN INJUSTICE, BUT ONLY RECEIVE IN YOUR PRESENT STATE OF EXISTENCE THE SAME TREATMENT WHICH YOU VISITED UPON THE JEWELER IN A FORMER LIFE. YOU REAP WHAT YOU HAVE SOWN, AND YOUR FATE IS THE PRODUCT OF YOUR DEEDS. YOUR VERY EXISTENCE, SUCH AS IT IS NOW, IS BUT THE KARMA OF YOUR PAST LIVES. WHAT IS MY KARMA? ASKED THE FARMER. A MAN'S KARMA, replied THE SAMANA, CONSISTS OF ALL THE DEEDS, BOTH GOOD AND EVIL, THAT HE HAS DONE IN HIS PRESENT AND IN ANY PRIOR EXISTENCE. Your life is a system of activities which have originated in the natural process of evolution, and have been transferred from generation to generation. The entire being of every one of us is an accumulation of inherited functions, which are modified by new experiences and deeds. Thus we are what we have done. Our karma constitutes our nature. We are our own creators. That may be as you say, rejoined Dvala, but what have I to do with that overbearing Brahmin? The Samana replied, You are in character quite similar to the Brahmin, and the karma that has shaped your destiny differs but little from his. If I am not mistaken in reading your thoughts, I should say that you would, even today, have done the same unto the jeweler if he had been in your place, and if you had such a strong slave at your command as he has, able to deal with you at his pleasure. The farmer confessed that if he had had the power, he would have felt little compunction in treating another man who had happened to impede his way, as he had been treated by the Brahmin. But thinking of the retribution attendant, upon unkind deeds, he resolved to be in the future more considerate with his fellow-beings. The rice was loaded, and together they pursued their journey to Baranasi, when suddenly the horse jumped aside. A snake! A snake! shouted the farmer. But the Samana looked closely at the object, at which the horse shuddered, jumped out of the cart, and saw that it was a purse full of gold. And the idea struck him. This money can belong to no one but the wealthy jeweler. Narada took the purse and found that it contained a goodly sum of gold pieces. Then he said to the farmer, Now is the time for you to teach the proud jeweler a lesson, and it will redound to your well-being both in this and in future lives. No revenge is sweeter than the requital of hatred with deeds of goodwill. I will give you this purse, and when you come to Baranasi, drive up to the inn which I shall point out to you, ask for Pandu, the Brahmin, and deliver to him his gold he will excuse himself for the rudeness with which he has treated you but tell him that you have forgiven him and wish him success in all his undertakings for let me tell you the more successful he is the better you will prosper your fate depends in many respects upon his fate should the jeweler demand any explanation send him to the vahara footnote buddhist monastery end of footnote where he will find me ready to assist him with advice in case he may feel the need of it. Business in Benares, to corner the market of the necessities of life, is not a modern invention. The Old Testament contains the story of Joseph, the poor Hebrew youth, who became minister of state and succeeded with unscrupulous but clever business tricks in cornering the wheat market, so as to force the starved people to sell all their property, their privileges, and even their lives, to Pharaoh and we read in the Jataka Tales that one of the royal treasurers of Kasi, which is the old name of Boranasi, made his first great success in life by cornering the grass market of the metropolis on the day of the arrival of a horse-dealer with five hundred horses. When Pandu the jeweler arrived at Baranasi, it so happened that a bold speculator had brought about a corner in rice, and Malika, a rich banker and a business friend of Pandu, was in great distress. On meeting the jeweler he said, I am a ruined man, and can do no business with you, unless I can buy a cart of the best rice for the king's table. I have a rival banker in Baranasi, who, learning that I had made a contract with the royal treasurer to deliver the rice to-morrow morning, and being desirous to bring about my destruction, has bought up all the rice in Baranasi. The royal treasurer must have received a bribe, for he will not release me from my contract, and to-morrow I shall be a ruined man." unless Krishna will send an angel from heaven to help me. Footnote, a Brahmin god. End of footnote. While Malika was still lamenting the poverty to which his rival would reduce him, Pandu missed his purse. Searching his carriage without being able to find it, he suspected his slave, Mahaduda, and calling the police, accused him of theft, and had him bound and cruelly tortured to extort a confession. The slave in his agonies cried, "'I am innocent. Let me go, for I cannot stand this pain. I am quite innocent, at least of this crime, and suffer now for other sins. Oh, that I could beg the farmer's pardon, whom, for the sake of my master, I wronged without any cause. This torture, I believe, is a punishment for my rudeness.' While the officer was still applying the last to the back of the slave, the farmer arrived at the inn and, to the great astonishment of all concerned, delivered the purse." the slave was at once released from the hands of his torturer but being dissatisfied with his master he secretly left and joined a band of robbers in the mountains who made him their chief on account of his great strength and courage when malika heard that the farmer had the best rice to sell fit for delivery to the royal table he at once bought the whole cartload for treble the price that the farmer had ever received pandu however glad at heart to have his money restored rewarded the honest finder and hastened at once to the vihara to receive further explanation from narada the samana narada said i might give you an explanation but knowing that you are unable to understand a spiritual truth i prefer to remain silent yet i shall give you some advice treat every man whom you meet as your own self serve him as you would demand to be served yourself for our karma travels it walks apace though and the journey is often long BUT, BE IT GOOD OR EVIL, FINALLY IT WILL COME HOME TO US. THEREFORE IT IS SAID, SLOWLY BUT SURELY DEEDS, HOME TO THE DOER CREEP, OF KINDNESS SOW THY SEEDS, AND bliss as HARVEST REAP. GIVE ME, O SAMANA, THE EXPLANATION, SAID THE JEWELER, AND I SHALL THEREBY BE BETTER ABLE TO FOLLOW YOUR ADVICE. THE SAMANA SAID, LISTEN THEN, I WILL GIVE YOU THE KEY TO THE MYSTERY. IF YOU DO NOT UNDERSTAND IT, HAVE FAITH IN WHAT I SAY. SELF IS AN ILLUSION and he whose mind is bent upon following self follows a will-o'-wisp, which leads him in the quagmire of sin. The illusion of self is like dust in your eyes that blinds your sight and prevents you from recognizing the close relations that obtain between yourself and your fellows, which are even closer than the relations that obtain among the various organs of your body. You must learn to trace the identity of yourself in the souls of other beings. Ignorance is the source of sin. There are few who know the truth. Let this motto be your talisman. Who injureth others, himself hurteth sore. Who others assisteth, himself helpeth more. Let the illusion of self from your mind disappear, and you'll find the way sure. The path will be clear. To him whose vision is dimmed by the dust of the world, the spiritual life appears to be cut into innumerable selves. Thus he will be puzzled in many ways concerning the nature of rebirth and will be incapable of understanding the import of all comprehensive living-kindness toward all living beings.' The jeweler replied, "'Your words, O venerable sir, have a deep significance, and I shall bear them in mind. I extended a small kindness, which caused me no expense whatever, to a poor Samana on my way to Baranasi. And lo! how perpetuous that has been the result! I am deeply in your debt, for without you I should not have only lost my purse,' but would have been prevented from doing business in Varanasi, which greatly increases my wealth, while if it had been left undone, it might have reduced me to a state of wretched poverty. In addition, your thoughtfulness and the arrival of the farmers' rice cart preserved the prosperity of my friend Malika, the banker. If all men saw the truth of your maxims, how much better the world would be. Evils would be lessened and the public welfare enhanced. The Samana replied, among all the religions there is none like that of the buddha it is glorious in the beginning glorious in the middle and glorious in the end it is glorious in the letter and glorious in the spirit it is the religion of loving-kindness that rids man of the narrowness of egotism and elevates him above his petty self to the bliss of enlightenment which manifests itself in righteousness pandu nodded assent and said as i am anxious to let the truth of the buddha be understood i shall found a vihara at my na- native place kashambi and invite you to visit me so that i may dedicate the place to the brotherhood of buddha's disciples among the robbers years passed and pandu's vihara at kashambi became a place in which wise samanas used to stay and it was renowned as a centre of enlightenment for the people of the town at that time the king of a neighbouring country had heard the beauty of pandu's jewellery and he sent his treasurer to order a royal diadem to be wrought in pure gold and set with the most precious stones of India. Pandu gladly accepted the order, and executed a crown of the most exquisite design. When he had finished the work, he started for the residence of the king, and as he expected to transact other profitable business, took with him a great store of gold pieces. The caravan carrying his goods was protected by a strong escort of armed men. But when they reached the mountains, they were attacked by a band of robbers led by Mahaduda, who beat them and took away all the jewelry and the gold and Pandu escaped with great difficulty. This calamity was a blow to Pandu's prosperity, and as he had suffered some other severe losses, his wealth was greatly reduced. Pandu was much distressed, but he bore his misfortunes without complaint, thinking to himself, I have deserved these losses for the sins committed during my past existence. In my younger years I was very hard on other people. Because I now reap the harvest of my evil deeds, I have no reason for complaint." As he had grown in kindness toward all beings, his misfortunes only served to purify his heart, and his chief regret, when thinking of his reduced means, was that he had become unable to do good and help his friends in the Vihara to spread the truths of religion. Again years passed on, and it happened that Panthanka, a young Samana and disciple of Narada, was traveling through the mountains of Kashambi, and he fell among the robbers in the mountains. As he had nothing in his possession, the robber chief beat him severely and let him go on the next morning pantheca while pursuing his way through the woods heard a noise of men quarrelling and fighting and going to the place he saw a number of robbers all of them in a great rage and in their midst stood mahaduda their chief and mahaduda was desperately defending himself against them like a lion surrounded by hounds and he slew several of his aggressors with formidable blows but there were too many for him at last he succumbed and fell to the ground as if dead Covered with wounds, as soon as the robbers had left the place, the young Samana approached to see whether he could be of any assistance to the wounded men. He found that all the robbers were dead, and there was but little life left in the chief. At once, Panthenka went down to the little brooklet which was murmuring nearby, fetched fresh water in his bowl, and brought it to the dying man. Mahaduda opened his eyes and gnashing his teeth said, "Where are those ungrateful dogs whom I have led to victory and success?" without me as their chief they will soon perish like jackals hunted down by skilful hunters do not think of your comrades the companions of your sinful life said panthenka but think of your own fate and accept in the last moment the chance of salvation that is offered you here is water to drink and let me dress your wounds perhaps i may save your life alas alas replied Mahaduda. are you not the man whom i beat but yesterday and now you come to my assistance to assuage my pain you bring me fresh water to quench my thirst and try to save my life it is useless honourable sir i am a doomed man the churls have wounded me unto death the ungrateful cowards they have dealt me the blow which i taught them you reap what you have sown continued the samana had you taught your comrades acts of kindness you would have received from them acts of kindness but having taught them the lesson of slaughter it is but your own deed that you are slain by their hands true very true said the robber chief my fate is well deserved but how sad is my lot that i must reap the full harvest of all my evil deeds in future existences advise me o holy sir what can i do to lighten the sins of my life which oppress me like a great rock placed upon my breast taking away the breath from my lungs said panthenka root out your sinful desires Destroy all evil passions, and fill your heart with kindness toward all your fellow beings. THE spider web. While the charitable Samana washed the wounds, the robber chief said, I have done much evil and no good. How can I extricate myself from the net of sorrow which I have woven out of the evil desires of my own heart? My karma will lead me to hell, and I shall never be able to walk in the path of salvation, said the Samana indeed your karma will in its future incarnations reap the seeds of evil that you have sown there is no escape from the consequences of our actions but there is no cause for despair the man who is converted and has rooted out the illusion of self with all its lusts and sinful desires will be a source of blessing to himself and others as an illustration i will tell you the story of the great robber candada who died without repentance and was reborn as a demon in hell where he suffered for his evil deeds the most terrible agonies and pains. He had been in hell several kalpas, footnote, a long period of time, in an aeon, End of footnote. and was unable to rise out of his wretched condition. When Buddha appeared upon earth and attained to the blessed state of enlightenment, at that memorable moment a ray of light fell down into hell, quickening all the demons with life and hope, and the robber Kandata cried aloud o blessed buddha have mercy upon me i suffer greatly and although i have done evil i am anxious to walk in the noble path of righteousness but i cannot extricate myself from the net of sorrow help me o lord have mercy on me now it is the law of karma that evil deeds lead to destruction for absolute evil is so bad that it cannot exist absolute evil involves impossibility of existence but good deeds lead to life thus there is a final end to every deed that is done But there is no end to the development of good deeds. The least act of goodness bears fruit, containing new seeds of goodness, and they continue to grow. They nourish the poor, suffering creatures in their repeated wanderings in the eternal round of samsara, until they reach the final deliverance from all evil in nirvana. Footnote: Samsara is the restlessness of the world and of worldly life. Nirvana is the peace of mind of him who has overcome the illusion of self. End of footnote. When Buddha, the Lord, heard the prayer of the demon suffering in hell, he said, Kintada, did you ever perform an act of kindness? It will now return to you and help you rise again. But you cannot be rescued unless the intense sufferings which you endure as consequences of your evil deeds have dispelled all conceit of selfhood and have purified your soul of vanity, lust, and envy. Kintada remained silent, for he had been a cruel man. But the Tathagata, in his omniscience, saw all the deeds done by the poor wretch and he perceived that once in his life when walking through the woods he had seen a spider crawling on the ground and he thought to himself i will not step upon the spider for he is a harmless creature and hurts nobody buddha looked with compassion upon the tortures of Kandada, and sent down a spider on a cobweb and the spider said take hold of the web and climb up having attached the web at the bottom of hell the spider withdrew Kindada eagerly seized the thin thread and made great efforts to climb up, and he succeeded. The web was so strong that it held, and he ascended higher and higher. Suddenly he felt the thread trembling and shaking, for behind him some of his fellow sufferers were beginning to climb on. Kindada became frightened. He saw the thinness of the web, and observed that it was elastic, for under the increased weight it stretched out, yet it still seemed strong enough to carry him kendata had heretofore only looked up he now looked down and saw following close upon his heels also climbing up on the cobweb a numberless mob of the denizens of hell how can this thin thread bear the weight of all he thought to himself seized with fear he shouted loudly let go the cobweb it is mine at once the cobweb broke and kendata fell back into hell the illusion of self was still upon kendata he did not know the miraculous power of a sincere longing to rise upwards and enter the noble path of righteousness it is thin like a cobweb but it will carry millions of people and the more there are that climb it the easier will be the efforts of every one of them but as soon as the idea rises in a man's heart this is mine let the bliss of righteousness be mine alone and let no one else partake of it the thread breaks and he will fall back into his old condition of selfhood for selfhood is damnation and truth is bliss what is hell it is nothing but egotism and nirvana is a life of righteousness let me take hold of the spider web," said the dying robber chief when the samana had finished his story and i will pull myself up out of the depths of hell the conversion of the robber chief mahaduda lay quiet for a while to collect his thoughts and then he addressed the samana not without effort listen honorable sir i will make a confession i was a servant of pandu the jeweler of kashambi but when he unjustly had me tortured i ran away and became a chief of robbers some time ago when i heard from my spies that pandu was passing through the mountains i succeeded in robbing him of a great part of his wealth will you now go to him and tell him that i have forgiven from the bottom of my heart the injury which he unjustly inflicted upon me and ask him too to pardon me for having robbed him while i stayed with him his heart was as hard as flint and i learned to imitate the selfishness of his character i have heard that he has become benevolent and is now pointed out as an example of goodness and justice he has laid up treasures of which no robber can ever deprive him while i fear that my karma will continue to linger in the course of evil deeds but i do not wish to remain in his debt so long as it is still in my power to pay him my heart has undergone a complete change my evil passions are subdued and the few moments of life left me shall be spent in the endeavour to continue after death in the good karma of righteous aspirations. Therefore inform Pandu that I have kept the gold crown which he wrought for the king, and all his treasures, and have hidden them in a cave nearby. There were only two of the robbers under my command who knew of it, and both are now dead. Let Pandu take a number of armed men, and come to the place, and take back the property of which I have deprived him one act of justice will atone for some of my sins it will help to cleanse my soul of its impurities and give me a start in the right direction on my search for salvation then maharuda described the location of the cave and fell back exhausted for a while he lay with his eyes closed as though sleeping the pain of his wounds had ceased and he began to breathe quietly but his life was slowly ebbing away and now he seemed to awake as from a pleasant dream venerable sir said he what a blessing for me that our buddha came upon earth and taught you and caused our paths to me and made you comfort me while i lay dozing i beheld as in a vision the scene of the tathagata's final entering to nirvana in former years i saw a picture of it which made a deep impression on my mind and the recollection of it is a solace to me in my dying hour indeed it is a blessing replied the samana that the buddha appeared upon earth he dispelled the darkness begotten by ill-will and error, and attained supreme enlightenment. He lived among us as one of us, being subject to the ills of life, pain, disease, and death, not unlike any mortal. Yet he extinguished in himself all selfishness, all lust, all greed for wealth and love of pleasure, all ambition for fame or power, all hankering after things of the world, and clinging to anything transitory and elusive. He was bent only on the one aim to reach the immortal and to actualize in his being that which cannot die through the good karma of former existences and his own life he reached at last the blessed state of nirvana and when the end came he passed away in the final passing away which leaves nothing behind but extinguishes all that is transitory and mortal oh that all men could give up clinging and thereby rid themselves of passion envy and hatred Mahaduddha imbibed the words of the Samana with the eagerness of a thirsty man who is refreshed by a drink of water that is pure and cool and sweet. He wanted to speak, but he could scarcely rally strength enough to open his mouth and move his lips. He beckoned assent and showed his anxiety to embrace the doctrine of the Tathagata. Panthenka wetted the dying man's lips and soothed his pain. And when the robber chief, unable to speak, silently folded his hands, he spoke for him and gave utterance to such vows as the latter words was ready to make the samana's words were like music to the ears of Mahaduda, filled with the joy of that originates with good resolutions and entranced by the prospect of an advance in the search for a higher and better life his eyes began to stare and all the pain ceased so the robber chief died converted in the arms of the samana the converted robber's tomb as soon as panthenka the young samana had reached koshambi he went to the vahra and inquired for pandu the jeweller being directed to his residence he gave him a full account of his recent adventure into the forest and pandu set out with an escort of armed men and secured the treasures which the robber chief had concealed in the cave near by they found the remains of the robber chief and his slain comrades and they gathered the bodies in a heap and burned them with all honors the ashes were collected in an urn and buried in a tumulus on which a stone was placed with an inscription written by panthenka which contained a brief report of Mahadudha's conversion. Before Pandu's party returned home, Panthanka held a memorial service at the tumulus in which he explained the significance of karma, discoursing on the words of Buddha. By ourselves is evil done. By ourselves we pain endure. By ourselves we cease from wrong. By ourselves become we pure. No one saves us but ourselves. No one can and no one may. We ourselves must walk the path. Buddha's merely teach the way our karma the samana said is not the work of isavara or brahma or indra or any one of the gods our karma is the product of our own actions my action is the womb that bears me it is the inheritance which devolves upon me it is the curse of my misdeeds and the blessing of my righteousness my action is the resource by which alone i can work out my salvation then the samana paused and added while every one is the maker of his own karma and we reap what we have sown at the same time co-responsible for the evils of evil-doers such is the interrelation of karma that the errors of one person are mostly mere echoes of the errors of others neither the curse of our failings nor the bliss of our goodness is purely our own therefore when we judge the bad the vicious the criminal let us not withhold from them our sympathy for we are partners of their guilt among the people of the surrounding villages the tumulus became known as the converted Robber's tomb and in later years a little shrine and was built on the spot where wanderers used to rest and invoke the buddha for the conversion of of robbers and thieves the bequest of a good karma pandu carried all his treasures back to kashambi using with discretion the wealth thus unexpectedly regained he became richer and more powerful than he had ever been before and when he was dying at an advanced age he had all his sons and daughters and grandchildren gathered round him and said unto them my dear children do not blame others for your lack of success seek the cause of your ills in yourselves unless you are blinded by vanity you will discover your fault and having discovered it you will see the way out of it the remedy for your ills too lies in yourselves never let your mental eyes be covered by the dust of selfishness and remember the words which have proved a talisman in my life who injureth others himself hurteth sore who others assisteth himself helpeth more Let the illusion of self from your mind disappear, and you'll find the way sure, the path will be clear. If you heed my words and obey these injunctions, you will, when you come to die, continue to live in the good karma that you have stored up, and your souls will be immortalized according to your deeds. End of section nine. This recording is in the public domain.